Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. passage of scripture to you and take just a few moments and ask the Lord to speak something to our heart. I can't say anything new. What um, will be said has already been said, but I think there's something powerful about reiterating something in our heart again and again and again and again. Praise the Lord. The book of Romans chapter 12, such a clarion call in verse 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good an acceptable and perfect will of God. There is a, a, a marked tension, I believe, that we all experience and perhaps are experiencing even now. That pull of complacency to stay where we are and the pull of the Spirit to take us to yet another place. And there is something about there is something about change. Even those that are given to change and like change, uh, that is probably relative, because it's probably they only like change about certain things. Because change has a way of uprooting us, and uh, I just want to talk about that for a moment and uh, ask God to help us and understand that the spiritual tug of war that may go on in our heart from time to time, God is trying to get us to be changed. Amen, to be changed. God bless you and you can be seated. Thank you for standing in honor to his word. We see, I think, sometimes the need to be changed, not to embarrass anybody or put anybody on the spot, but I I believe that by and large, the majority of us would agree that we need to change some things about ourselves in order that we can get closer to the Lord and, and become some things that we have dreamed about or thought about. Or perhaps even the Lord has through uh, specifically or indirectly Reveal to us things that he would like to use us to do at some point in our life and future. 
And we understand that in order for that to happen, there must be some change. And uh, even though we realize that change is a necessary part of life, we can't continue to do what we've always done. Life has a way of uh, life has a way of just forcing some elements of change upon us. And if we refuse to do that, I've used a, an illustration many times through the years that not to try to sound uh, ridic- ridiculous or, or anything of that nature, but it's really the truth that there was a time in American history that a person could make a pretty good living making and selling buggy whips. And uh, that was the mode of transportation. But as the automobile began to take the place of the, of the horse and carriage, at some point, someone had to figure out, if I'm going to continue to do well, then I'm going to have to change the prism through which I look. It's not a, it's not a secret. Many um, leading camera companies, Kodak for one, underestimated the speed and the accuracy of which digital photography would catch on. And many of them were late getting on board. And uh, because of that, some of them have suffered and even gone out of business. Watchmakers who, again, failed to understand the digital age and the idea that this would ever catch on. Some of them are no longer in business today who were staple items and and, uh, many of them decades old companies because they failed to have built within the confines of their company the ability to vacillate and change with time. And, uh, you know, we hear a terminology today, a phrase that um, zero tolerance, we've heard zero tolerance, zero tolerance, I get it, but zero tolerance is almost an unrealistic reach when we think about zero tolerance. There needs to be a little tolerance built into everything because if something can't bend, then it is sure to break because there are going to be things that push against and circumstances that push against. Um, And so to understand the value of being able to sway, the value of, I'm not talking about being wishy-washy or I am not talking about, uh, you know, our favorite color being plaid or anything of that nature. I, I know there are some absolutes in our life, but there also must be built into us the ability to, to change, to give in. Some of you uh, married folks remember those first few years of marriage, don't you? Uh, let's make that more plain. Some of you married folks remember those first few months of marriage, don't you? Where you're trying to weld two different worlds together and, uh, and that, that can be uh, sometimes pretty humorous. Not always humorous, but it can be pretty humorous when we're trying to forge two different ways of life and two different thought processes and and different cultures. You're trying to shoehorn all of that into now one family, and it doesn't always work. And um, it doesn't work without friction, that's for sure. Um, I just thought about this this morning, and I I forgot to get permission. I think it'll be all right. So I'm just going to keep looking this way. I don't, I don't want to get any directions from the sideline over here. But we hadn't been married, but just a few months, we were living a little rented mobile home back then. 
you can, if you needed boxes for anything, you could go to the grocery store, and the grocery stores just loved to see you come because it was just something they wouldn't have to throw away. It was before days of recycling and things of that nature, and and uh, we had had a disagreement about something. I don't remember what it was, but um, and so uh, she was, she got mad. We were both mad. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to pin this on no one person here, but we were. We were both mad because we were both right. That's primarily why we were both mad. And so she decided she was going to go to the grocery store and get some boxes and pack all her stuff up and she was going to move back in with her grandma. So she went and got in her car and was, I just followed her to her car. I got in her car and sat down on the passenger side and she looked at me with great disdain and she said, and just where are you going? I said, I'm going with you. You're going to get boxes, I'm going to get boxes. If you're packing up, I'm packing up because wherever you go, we're going to go. I'm going to go. And so we sat there in the driveway and all of that heat and anger just started melting away into laughter and we saw kind of the foolishness and the folly of the situation and we've laughed about that. We're still laughing about that, aren't we? <laughs> it's just, I just want to check the temperature before all of you guys leave. <laughs> We're still giddy about that, aren't we, babe? <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder what's on the buffet at Sisters today. I have a feeling, I have a feeling, a strong feeling I'm going to be there. Change. That resisting change. We know we need to change because if we're ever going to be what life is calling on us and what God is calling on us to be, then somewhere along the line we have to set down our sword of indifference and say, I'm willing to be changed. I'm willing to go into the forge of the fire and let God hammer out some things in me. I'm gonna tell you today that I've lost count of how many times I've been in the fire and I've lost count of how many times I've been on the potter's wheel because it just seems like every time I get it all worked out, there's just another flaw. There's just something, and it's just more of me that just kind of comes to the surface, that inability to be changed. We're bombarded on every side in the society that we live in that if only we had this or that or if only some other deficit in our life would be filled, then we could be more fulfilled and nothing could be further from the truth. We're uncomfortable with the uncertainties that change may bring. I... I uh, Many years ago, read an illustration. I, I saw the humor in this, at least. Uh, I think many people can see that. A liter, uh, uh, an actual letter that was written to the President of the, of the United States in 1829. It was an, uh, an attempt to persuade the President against allowing the rail system, the railroad system, to come into the U.S. And so among many arguments, I've just kind of filtered through them, but among many arguments... The writer said, as you may well know, Mr. President, railroad carriages are often pulled at the enormous speed of 15 miles an hour. The letter concluded by stating just one final all-important fact, and he wrote, the Lord certainly never intended that people should ever travel at such breakneck speeds. <laughs> and so that sounds ridiculous to us today, but you see, it was just someone one more time, resisting change. Change that was 
was destined to leave a footprint in the economy of America and the world. And so why is it that we resist change so ardently? And, and I, I think that, that uh, one of the things that we all get, at, at least on the surface, is that we need change. Change is a good thing. We need change to be changed inside. The Bible speaks about that within our own selves. It gives us a prescription, many times prescriptions, to get the job done. Now understand this about scripture. Scripture is not some medical cream that we can put on that hides the flaws and it's not a magic pill that you can take that just instantaneously morphs us from one thing into another. In fact, I believe the scripture is much worse than that. We have all been prescribed medication that we felt like in the end we, we had this common denominator. If this don't kill us, it may heal us. <laughs> but for a little while, it seems like it may just kind of take us out. And sometimes that is how the word of God comes to us. The Lord said here, or the writer here said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, Paul said to the Roman church, by the mercies of God, we are challenged by the very mercy of God. And so as sinners by nature, in spite of that sinfulness, God loves us. And so he said, I beseech you by the mercies of God. There is a call to respond I, I think there's a lot of frightening things in this world and I think there's a lot of frightening things in the church world, a lot of frightening things in the spirit world. And so I could probably name several things here today, but I will name one thing that I think is so frightening and that is whenever I see and sense the presence of God moving so strongly in a church service, in a congregation, whether it's here or somewhere else, and I see people that claim to be filled with the Holy Ghost that fail to respond to that presence of God. That is a, a dangerous thing because I feel like the presence of God is important enough that it mandates a response. It absolutely mandates a response. Now your response don't have to be my response nor vice versa, but I think somewhere in our heart of hearts there needs to be something that pulls us to move, amen, I can't remain a spectator, I can't just look on while somebody else prays or praise, uh, praises or somebody else sings or somebody else does all of the things, I can't just look on, this is not a spectator sport, I trust you didn't just come here today for entertainment purposes, but Paul says I beseech you or I urge you, Often we need to be urged on. We need that nudge, someone to just kind of pick us up and put us into the mainstream or the main flow of what God is trying to do. Because if not, we run the risk of becoming lethargic in our walk with God. It's just, it's just so easy to do to find that neutral place. Amen. Perhaps our minds are too preoccupied with the things of this world and we need to be reminded as I spoke about in our first service of our real priorities. Our real priorities are not bound up on things of this earth, but our real priorities are bound up in the things of heaven. Amen. The spirit of God pleads with us. Amen. Pleads with us. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And so we are called upon then to present ourselves as a sacrifice. Amen. We're bound up in these bodies and we can't do anything about that. Amen. But that 
body that we're bound in, this flesh that holds us, many times is our greatest source of temptation. It's that visible representation of what the scripture calls the flesh, the flesh. That, re- that flesh, that term represents all the wars that are going on right now in our lives and in our mind. We sometimes look at ourselves and wonder, why would God even want me? How would I ever be used of God? And how could I ever be of any benefit or value to the kingdom of God? Amen. But I'm gonna tell you today, he desires our body as a living sacrifice. Do with me what you will. He needs a voice. He needs a mouthpiece. He needs some hands. He needs some feet. He needs someone that can do the work and fill in the gap. He wants a living sacrifice. And when we think, how can we, how can we, that seems contradictory in our minds how can we both live and die at the same time how can we be living and how can we be a sacrifice at the same time we have to understand that death in death we in the death that we experience amen that is what happens when we come to God it was death in the garden of Gethsemane that made death on Calvary possible. It was the death in the garden, amen, that made Calvary possible. He first had to die to himself. It was that intersection of nevertheless, the intersection of nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done, amen. And so when he died to himself, then he could give his life as a sacrifice. I ask us today, Lord, help us to understand the value of dying to ourselves. There There are two examples in scripture of living sacrifices offered to God. One of them is Isaac and the other of them is Jesus. Both were offered to God. And even though Isaac was spared, we know that from scripture. But can I tell you, I believe with all of my heart that three days before they got to Mount Moriah, in the mind and in the heart of Abraham, he had already given him. Amen. That's why they, that's why he got up three days prior and started marching. That's why he took with him the wood and the fire because in his mind it was already done. It was already complete. And so I say, Lord, help us to die to our will, our way. Can I tell you today that there will be people who miserably walk through this life unwilling to die to their own will so that God can use them to do what they know he has called them to do. Lord, help me today not to be that person that tries to straddle the fence of life, always resisting what the Lord would want me to do. Can I tell you today, it's just a whole lot easier to say yes. It's a whole lot easier to say yes. Amen. So I ask the Lord to help us to be strengthened by the confidence we can place not just in ourselves but in him. I read something years ago and I will, it challenged me. I will share it with you in closing today. Amen. As we, as believers, are we as believers truly live for the Lord on one of three levels. The writer said we live on a sensual level, a soulish level, or a spiritual level. Those who live on a sensual level, the author says, lives their lives strictly ruled by their senses. Well, I'll do this if it feels good. 
I'll go to church if I feel like going to church. I will pray if I feel like praying. I'll worship if I feel like worship. And I'll, I'll this, I'll that. It's all about feelings. It's just this sensual. Whatever touches my senses. If it sounds right, if it looks right, if it feels right, that is the level upon which we are motivated. It all has to kind of meet our own personal criteria. If it gets too hot, if it gets too cold, if it gets too loud, if it's not loud enough, all of those things are disconnectors because it's all on a sensual level. It has to meet all of our criteria. Amen. We're not going to worship because we're too tired. We're not going to pray because of this. We're not going to read because of that. It's all built on senses. Can I tell you that this is Christianity at its lowest level? This is barely in the door. This is entry level Christianity. Entry level Christianity. I will do this if it feels right. I want to admonish every parent, every guardian, every influencer in this house. The greatest, the greatest, greatest gift you will ever give your children or those that you have been called upon to influence is to never let there be a question in your child's mind, are we going to church today? That ought to be so settled that ought to already be penciled in, clear into 2018's calendar. That's already settled. I've said it so many times. I didn't have the good sense to appreciate it as a child, but as an adult, I certainly, I certainly have not just in their death, but while they were alive. I thank my mom and dad that there was never a discussion in our household. I don't ever remember Saturday night. Betty Jean saying, Carl, are we going to church tomorrow? Or Carl saying, Betty, are we going to church? Those, that was not even up for discussion. Amen, and I'm thankful for that. I was, my mother was very, very ill and, 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 and very sickly for her, the majority of her life. And I look back at that now, and I know there were times that she had to stay home, and there were other times she probably needed to be home. But she was in the house of God, and I thank her for that. I thank her for that. Why? because there's just some things they weren't living at a soulish level they weren't, uh, they weren't living at a sensual level amen they were not living by how we feel about this how are we going to do about this amen they gave sacrificially they gave of themselves many of you or at least some of you I shouldn't say many of you but some of you know that in my young young years my mom and dad drove three and a half hours one way to this church because they felt that God was calling them to come to church here and my mom Mom and dad lived in central Florida and every Friday afternoon we made the trip here and every Sunday night after church because they had church on Saturday night had church on Sunday morning and had church on Sunday night. Amen. And so every Sunday night after church, we would drive all the way home. Back home, I watched many times as a young man. I watched my dad get out of the car after getting back home because he was a truck driver. He would go in and take a shower, come out with his uniform on, get in his truck and leave and go to work and we may not see him again for a few days. I'm thankful to that. If you think I'm boasting this morning, I'm just boasting in my heritage. They weren't, they weren't perfect didn't claim to be perfect but I'm thankful I had somebody in my life that taught you you don't live for God on a sensual level 
You don't live for God on a sensual level. You don't live for him on a sensual, just, just because it feels good or it don't feel good. Amen, they taught me the art, if you please, of sacrifice, and I'm thankful for that. Amen, we got to be changed. If we're gonna be changed, then we gotta disconnect ourselves. Amen, you know what? A church this size, we should not struggle to have church on Wednesday night. Some of you smelled that coming, but it's just the way it is. Amen. We should not, we only have church twice a week. Amen. I'm way off of my notes. We can't live in a sensual level. Amen. The house of God needs not just an address, a physical address, but it needs bodies. We need to be here present. We need to let the Lord see us and let the Lord hear us. I don't want to live at a sensual level. Amen. I don't want to live at a sensual level. Then the writer said there's a soulish level. I'll move. It'll make you more comfortable. Amen. There's the soulish level. Amen. We're we're talking about intellect or emotions or wills. Amen. It's possible sometimes. I want you to think about this with me now. It is possible sometimes, amen, for people to live their entire spiritual so-called life, amen, on this soulless level when it's really not really a, a true relationship with God at all. It's just it's just very shallow and, and soulish, amen. You can respond to a praise service. We know how to pray at prayer time, amen, but the spirit, of God may not be the motivating force behind those things. There are people that may have a strong will, a real strong will, so you can control some of your habits at least for a season. And when you start serving the Lord, you've got a strong enough will to quit doing what you need to quit doing and start doing what you might need to start doing, but it's all just an outward appearance of being spiritual. In reality, what's in control here is you. Amen. I didn't I didn't mess up too bad about the Wednesday, did I? So what's really here at play is me. It's just my will to do right and my will to not do wrong. It's my will. But you see what's really in 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 what's really in the the cog and the wheel at this point is you. It is your will. It is my will. Amen. I've got to live on a spiritual plane. I need to be controlled by the Spirit. I don't need to just do good because I have the power to do good. Or I don't need to just not do bad because I've got the willpower not to surrender to the bad. I need the Spirit of God to help me and to lead me and to guide me, which takes me to another point. This is why it's so important not to ever tell somebody that they got the Holy Ghost. No matter what kind of experience you have watched them have, don't you ever tell somebody they got the Holy Ghost. They need to be the one telling you they got the Holy Ghost because if they didn't really get the Holy Ghost, that's why we don't need to get into a numbers game. We don't need to turn this into some kind of scorekeeping situation. You know why? Because I understand that if somebody's gonna really conquer sin, they're not gonna be able to do that through their will. They may be able to do that through their will for a season of time, but they need the Spirit of God. And so now we have told people they have the Holy Ghost and they don't have the Holy Ghost. Therefore, they don't have the power to overcome sin and live an overcome. 
coming life and we set them loose in a world filled with sin and we say good luck. No, no, no. I say God not help me not to live on a sensual level but I also don't want to live on a soulless level where it's just my grit gut power against the power of the world because one of these days in a moment of weakness the devil's going to win that battle. Praise God. I need to be changed. I need to be changed. I've got to be spirit controlled, spirit led. Amen. And so we need God's spirit to touch us and to, to enable us to be able to, to do what he would call us to do. And so that's why it's an imperative that we live on a spiritual level. Amen. I know sometimes we're so worried about being too spiritual, but I'm going to tell you, I've met very, very few people that were too spiritual. Amen. So we ask God to touch us. How then are we going to be controlled by the Spirit? Amen. Sometimes the only way we can tell if we're being controlled by the Spirit is to examine, let our lives be examined in light of this Word. Let the Word of God be preached without fear and favor. Amen. Let the Word of God come right down where we live. I'll just be honest with you tonight or today. Every now and then we ought to leave church with a little something stuck in our crawl. Amen. There ought to be a little bit of Word that got jammed up in our spirit like a fishbone somewhere in our spiritual throat. Amen. I'm not telling you so you can go home and turn that into an odd against whoever was doing the preaching. I'm telling you if they were in the book, we better figure out how to fish that deal out of our throat and get our spirit right. Amen. I need to be controlled. If the word of God tells me that I'm wrong to him that knoweth to do good, to him that it is it is sin. In the book, uh, in the Old Testament, excuse me for uh, just a pause here a delay in my in my thinking but the, the one writer said what is this parable that is spoken in Israel that the fathers have eaten sour grapes and set their children's teeth on edge he said let that be no more spoken again of in Israel why because you can't eat sour grapes brother Gibson and set my teeth on edge he said it's the soul that sins that is the soul that's going to die I will tell you today we need the power and the presence of God to lead us and guide us the word is strong it is powerful it pierces dividing the soul and the spirit it is the word that knows our intent it is the word that knows our thought it is the word that knows the motivation of why we do what we do the word so we need the word to be that reflector in our lives amen our challenge is to yield to God and allow him to live through us our challenge is to yield to God and allow him to control us in all things. Not only are we challenged by God's mercy, but we are also changed by being transformed by the Spirit of God. There must be a transformation that goes on within us. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed, he says, by the renewing of your mind. The problem that we face, that the world seeks to make us after its own image and then the world sets forth what we ought to be doing. And I'm going to tell you, if you if you hook your if you hook your coattail to this wagon, you're in for a long journey. Because the world is always changing. And so I don't want to be conformed to the world. Amen. We just need to say, God, help me to know how to live, conduct myself. Let me look in your word. I don't want to be fashioned after the world. Somebody tells me you don't fit in, that's really a compliment. Compliment. 
Amen. I don't want to just choose a church based on something that just solely meets my needs or something that can just kind of center around me. I want to know how can I get invested in this thing and how can I add something to this? And amen, the philosophy of that's the philosophy of the world. Amen, the, the word of God teaches, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's a thought process. It's not just outward change, but it's a change of nature. Amen, that's what makes real change a change. Part of the process of renewing our mind, our minds are renewed and, and our inner self is changed and that's just really what we need God to do is to help us to be changed, changed. If I just change my mind, I might change my mind back. But if I can change who I am, my nature. Praise God. Let's stand. Our musicians, you can just stay where you are. Let's stand. A few, few uh, days ago, I was privileged to be a part of a special service in a church in our section. And there were some ministers in the church, local ministers there in the church. They were participants in the service. And, and several of these men I have known, at least indirectly, for a long time. And some of them, for whatever reason, just at maybe the prompting of the Lord, they just begin to talk about where they, where the Lord has brought them from. And I'm just going to be honest with you. From what I was, from the person I was watching holding the microphone that day to what they were talking about in their sinful past, I just couldn't connect the dot. Because I've always met them as they are today. And so it was so hard for me to pull these two worlds together of where they were. One had been in a lot of trouble and in gangs and things of that nature before God had gotten a hold of his heart and changed him and then called him to the Lord as a minister of the gospel. So hard for me to have met this soft-spoken gentleman, such a wonderful spirit. So I think I've met a man who didn't just change his mind, but he got changed. His personality got changed. I believe his wife got a new husband. That's what I believe. I believe his children got a new father. That's what I believe. I believe his neighbors had a new neighbor move in next door. That's what I believe. Not just a Sunday neighbor, but I believe he's that way on Saturday. I believe that when he pulls in his driveway on Monday evening and Thursday afternoon, that's the man they see get out of the car. Changed, changed. So where is our challenge today? It's to be changed. So I ask you, if you see where you are today and you know where you want to be or at least you even think you know where God is calling you to be, what will you do about that today? means you're going to change some things. We're going to have to lay ourselves across that altar and let that altar be like an anvil and let God be like a blacksmith and just whittle away, whittle away, God. Put me back in the fire and mold me and shape me and help me. We're going to have to be changed because you see, we can't take some of our fleshly quirks and then be what God wants us to be. He needs the vessel. He just needs to empty out the vessel and use us.
Amen. I wonder today where you stand, where we stand, if we could make a commitment, a covenant to God and say, Lord, help me. I'm a, I'm a long way. I see a gap between where I stand and where I want to be. But just help me get pointed in the right direction and help me at least take some baby steps that way. In the name of the Lord, I'm asking you to take God. Let the spirit of your word fall upon this congregation. And I pray today, God, that the anointing of the Holy Ghost, not through me, but through your word, touches the hearts of men and women and husbands and wives and, and fathers and mothers and aunts and uncles and young and old alike, God, that we, would, that we would say, Lord, I've just got to have you touch my heart and my life and I need you to shape me and mold me and I need to be conformed, conformed to your will. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. There's gonna to have to be some changes. There's gonna to have to be some changes. There's gonna to have to be some changes. Touch us today, God, and strengthen us by the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You know what? Just by default, no way around it. Within just mere moments, the lights of this building will be turned out. The atmosphere... This palatable presence of God that we feel is going to be still in our heart and in our lives, but it's going to be different because we're going to be separated from the body. We're going to go to our own homes and respective places. And, and you see, it's what are you going to do with this message then? You know, file it away somewhere, let it just join. A, the records of many, many other sermons are we going to let the Spirit of God go home with us. I'm praying today that we let this Word go home with us and let it be a change agent in us. You know, there's some medications that you take and, and um, it has instant results. You, you, instant results. That's the nature of the pill. That's the nature of the syrup. That's the nature of the prescription. And there are other prescriptions that we have that says it may take to three, four, five days for this to get in your system. You gotta keep taking it. You're just not gonna swallow this and it fixes everything. It's gonna take a while to get in your system. Today, I feel like I, the Lord has spoken a word that may take a little while to get this in your system, but just keep coming back and dwelling on it. Let the Spirit of God touch our heart today. Amen. Lord, I love you and I thank you for your presence. And I've done everything I know to do today. I really feel that in my heart. I feel delivered. I feel that I have spoken exactly on two occasions what you've laid on my heart to speak. And I'm gonna walk out the doors of this building today and I'm going with you. I'm gonna feel relieved in my spirit of the word you've given me to say. But I'm asking all of us not to let this word just vaporize into nothing and, and just kind of fall by the wayside. But I pray that you'll help us to become, to be changed, to be molded and made in your image. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806.
or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.